This is a 980 CKNW podcast. 7.33, good morning. I'm Sterling Fox in for Jill Bennett, who's enjoying a couple of weeks vacation. It's nice to be with you this cloudy Sunday morning. We're joined on the line from Toronto by communications specialist Jerry Nichols, who is one of those TV pundits we see all the time and a very welcome friend of this radio show. Jerry, good morning. Good morning, Sterling. How you doing? I am doing very well, my friend. I'm still kind of reeling from the spectacle yesterday, or was it the day before, of the Premier of Ontario essentially throwing in the towel days before an election. I'm racking my brain, Jerry, and I cannot recall, at least off the top of my head, another pol- a sitting political leader in Canada doing what Kathleen did the other day, uh, saying, I know I'm not going to win, but... Vote for my guys anyway, because we don't want a majority government from the other people. Yeah, it was yesterday she made that sort of stunning announcement, Sterling. And yeah, it's 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 totally crazy <laughs> as far as I, I, I as I'm concerned. I it, it's it's a bold move, and I'm I'm all for bold moves, especially when you're way down in the polls. Sure. Usually, you do a bold move to help you win. This is a bold move that seems designed to help her lose. Yes. And so I, you know, I, 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 I can't make sense of it. I've been in this business for 30 years. I've seen lots of things, but I've never seen anything like that. And it just, it, no matter how I look at it, it doesn't make sense to me. Well, why do you think she did it then? If, if it makes so little sense to any of us, uh, and, you know, uh, I, I still, I'm trying to figure out why. And it, because, is it simply to avoid a Doug Ford conservative majority? Is that what the, the ultimate strategy is here? Well, I think there's a sense from a lot of people in Ontario that this is so stupid, it must really be smart, right? We're missing something. There must be some kind of brilliant angle yeah. to this because the people in the liberal war room they're her strategists they're smart people and they're they're scrappy they're they're fighters so this is what also what really caught me off guard on this i never thought they would wave the white flag and i guess some of the the theories which are being floated around right now are that Wynne was such a poisonous political figure in ontario people just didn't like her mm-hmm. that by essentially saying she's not going to be premier that she's out of the picture it makes it easier for people to vote liberal. And so maybe this will drive enough people into the liberal camp that as a very, at, at least the liberals will, will, will force a minority situation where they'll hold the balance of power. This is what I'm hearing. Um, still doesn't make sense to me because I think what it does really is it creates, in effect, a two-party race. Mm-hmm. So that Horwath the NDP leader, Andrew Harweth, can say, you know what, when is that out, out of the story now? So if you want to stop, you know, Doug, uh, Donald Trump-like neo-fascist Doug Ford, you got to vote for me. Mm-hmm. I'm your only option. And likewise, Ford can say, well, stark choice. It's either me or, or, or the NDP and their communist legions. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, vote for me. So in either of those cases, there's not a lot of motivation for people to vote liberal. That's and that's why I'm scratching my head about it. Interesting stuff. Uh, you know, a couple about a month ago, you and I talked on this radio station about the Ontario election, which was just starting to pick up a little steam at the time. And you basically proclaimed it was Doug Ford's election to lose. And then I saw you on TV about two weeks after that on one of those uh, panel pundit shows. And you said the 
uh, the conservatives seem to have come up with a new theme. We'll find a way to lose. Yeah. <laughs> and I was sitting at home and I laughed out loud. So what happened in that two weeks? Well, this is, you know, this is, this is the theme of, of, of the conservatives. And I think the, the, problem, the, the problem they had going into this race is that they were sky high in the polls. They were way ahead. And whenever you go into a race high in the polls, you really have no place to go but down. Good point. And the NDP was sort of low down the rung, and they had no place to go but up. And so what that did was it created a narrative where the, the PCs were losing momentum and the NDP was gaining momentum. And that is, that's a kind of political scenario which works for the NDP because people, I always say, people want to be in a moving train. And if the NDP looks like they're going to win, people are going to want to jump on that train. Right, sure. And what the PCs failed to do was kind of blunt the NDP's momentum. And I think part of the problem is that Ford, you know, he's kind of an amateur. He, you know, he's, he's never done this before. Right. And sometimes he looks a little wooden. Uh, a lot of people look at him and say, I, I really can't picture him as premier. And, and the conservatives were always getting off message because there was always some, you know, you know sort of scandalous suggestion that something happened wrong, that some of his candidates had done something wrong. So he was always getting off message. They couldn't stick to their script. Um, now, I, I think they can still pull out of this. I think maybe the NDP, they all may have peaked a little bit too early. There was still time for people to say, hmm, do we really want, you know, the NDP running this province? The Ontario voters are, 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 tend to be risk-averse. Mm-hmm. And so they might say, ah, well, you know, I don't like, you know, like Ford, but I'm afraid of the NDP. So that, that it's, it's, as far as I'm concerned, it's still, you know, up in the air, though the idea that the PCs are definitely going to, you know, run to a victory, that's no longer on the table. It's a lot more complicated than it was when we first spoke. Absolutely. And, and that first conversation about this election a month ago, uh, we did ma- both make the point that it was going to be a fairly nasty campaign and that both the uh, Liberal Party of Ontario and the NDP would do their level best at every turn in the road to portray Doug Ford as Canada's next Donald Trump. And, uh, and it continues to this very morning, Jerry, the official newspaper of the Liberal Party, the Toronto Star, has three stories in this morning's paper about how horrible a place to live Ontario would be were Doug Ford to ever be elected premier. The the campaign, uh, uh, the Donald Trump uh, campaigning against Ford has been quite relentless, hasn't it? Yeah, well, that's that's the best card that they can play. I always say the, the two strongest emotions in politics are hate and fear. Yeah. And so what they're trying to do is whip up fear about Doug Ford. Now, you know, Doug Ford's a wild card. Um, you know, a lot of people don't know who he is. They know his brother, Rob. Yeah. Um, and he kind of has this, you know, I, I would argue he's not like Trump in a lot of ways, but he also sort of gives off this Trumpian air about him. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of makes him vulnerable to those kinds of attacks. Essentially, they're, again, Ontario voters are risk averse. So they're saying, you know, this guy's, this guy's too scary. Now, the dynamic of the race up until now is that people just don't like win and they're saying no to win. And that, that's kind of similar to the situation that was in the United States uh, presidential election, pitting Trump against Hillary Clinton. Mm-hmm. It's not that people like Trump, it's just they didn't like Clinton. 
Same deal with uh, with uh, B.C. last summer, too, Jerry. Christy Clark had been in, uh, the Liberals had been in power in B.C. for 16 years, coincidentally. And basically the sentiment was that Christy Clark and her corrupt gang needed desperately to be fired. And so they that's were. Right. And that's... that's right. it, 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 I call that a rejectionist voter mindset. They just want to reject who's ever in power. And it's not that they like Ford. It's not that they like the NDP. It's just they're not they're not the liberals. Now, the, the, the disadvantage that Ford has versus Trump is that Trump had a one-on-one race with, with Hillary Clinton. Um, Ford is also facing off against the NDP. So right. it would be like Trump facing uh, Clinton and Bernie Sanders. You're right, right. So it's like the anti-win vote is being split between those two. And we always sort of knew that was the case. The only question was, who would be the main beneficiary of, the, of that rejo- rejection of uh, voter mindset? Uh, initially, it looked like Ford, uh, but now the NDP seems to be picking up steam and, and even stealing some of Ford's support. So that's what's making this kind of that's what's kind of making this the whole thing kind of misty. If you're looking into the future, it's kind of hard to make out the outlines of how this race is going to end. And as they look to the past, both parties go, well, you don't want to vote conservative. Remember that Mike Harris? Oh, my God, what a disaster that was. Oh, and you don't want to vote NDP. Remember Bob Ray? Oh, my God, what a disaster that was. So, I mean, if you if you do those comparisons in, in looking over your shoulder, uh, there's there's a lot of negatives out there, but it's about the future, Jerry. Well, yeah, this, there are a lot of negatives, and this is, this is very much a negative race. It's very much an anti-race. Uh, people don't like Wynne, and, and, and the Wynne and her, and her allies are saying, well, exactly as you said, um, you know, Harris, ooh, scary, yeah. or Bob Ray, that was terrible. Um, I think the, the disadvantage for the, the liberals in that regard is that voters have a pretty sharp memory. Right. And a lot of people don't remember Ray. And for a lot of people, Harris is just sort of a, a, a dim memory. So that probably is not going to have as much impact as you might think, whereas, you know, the, the, the anger against Wynn is still fresh. Um, so that's, that's what's happening right now in terms of the emotions uh, of this election. And what Wynn did yesterday by kind of pulling out, that's why, again, why it, it's so puzzling to yeah. me, is she's kind of she's changed the dynamic now where it is kind of a, just a two-party race, and it makes it easier for the NDP and the PCs to kind of say, look, here's what you have to do. And I know the, the counter to that is, well, now people have an opportunity to create a minority government. You know, and this is, this is Wynn's argument, you know, stop Ford, stop the NDP from forming a majority government. Right. But I'm not sure, you know, creating a minority government is a great rallying cry. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I don't we, think we have one will, in BC. It's it's not exactly hearts and flowers, Jerry. Yeah, I, I don't think people say, "Oh, I really, I really want a minority government. I really want you know instability for the next couple of years." I think people kind of want, would rather have a majority government. I think they would like to have decisive leadership, either from the right or the left. We'll see which one they decide. Okay, we're only a few um, days away from this, and I, I'm, I, I need to take a break, and I'm going to get you to stick around and change gears and talk pipelines after the break, but. Uh, we, we, I've, I've pressed you for predictions a couple of times on this Ontario election, and now with this new tossing in of the towel yesterday by the sitting premier, okay, it's coming up on Thursday, Jerry Nichols. Who's going to win this darn thing? You know, I absolutely hate making predictions. I know you do. Uh, um, but if, I, if, you know, if you force me to, I, I, I'd still stick to my original argument that the PCs will win this. I think, I think even though the polls show you know, either the neck and neck or the NDP in some cases ahead, I think... I think the PC vote distribution is just a little more efficient. 
that they should, at least in terms of seats, come out ahead. Um, so they should get a majority government, a slight majority government. Am I confident in that prediction? Mm-hmm. Absolutely not. Right, but, right. You know, there it is. All right. Appreciate it, Jerry. Now, uh, Mr. Nichols has, along with the rest of us, however reluctantly this week, also become the owner of a pipeline. And we'll find out how he thinks about that. And we'll uh, open up the phones on editorial time to find out how you feel about it, too. Jerry Nichols, communication specialist, up with more after this quick timeout. Good morning. It's 748 this cloudy Sunday morning, 14 degrees in downtown Vancouver. Jill is on vacation. I'm Sterling Fox, joined on the line from his home in Oakville, Ontario, by communications consultant Jerry Nichols, who is one of those well-known Canadian prognosticators and pundits. We see him on all the TV panels talking politics. And today we had talked about the Ontario elections coming up on Thursday. Jerry's still calling for a conservative majority, although not the greatest of confidence. And I want to turn our attention to pipelines and tariffs, Jerry. We don't have a lot of time here, but pipelines first. And if we have time, the G7 meeting uh, uh, an hour's drive from here yesterday in Whistler, the finance ministers, uh, the Yanks took a lot of heat from the rest of us in the G7 over tariffs. Uh, But let's talk about pipelines. Lines first, because like it or not, this morning, you and I are both co-owners, along with a few million of our close personal friends, of a pipeline. How do you feel about that? Well, I, I wish I could sell my share. Yeah, right. Um, this is the problem of public ownership. You don't really own it. Um, yeah, to me, this is, you know, this is supremely ironic, Sterling, because you hear, here you have Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, who, as we all remember, campaigned to the left of the NDP. Mm-hmm. You know, he was going to be a socialist, and he was also going to be Captain Planet. He was going to do everything he could to stop the scourge of climate change. And here he is giving billions of dollars to American capitalists, and now he's the owner of an oil pipeline. Um, this is how crazy politics is, right? Um, it, it, it can, you know, in a blink of an eye, suddenly change uh, a prime minister's branding. And it certainly has changed Prime Minister Trudeau's branding, at least with sort of the environmental movement. You know, he's now seen as kind of public enemy number one. And, you know, who could have seen that coming a couple of years ago? Exactly, yeah. So uh, in terms of the logistics of it all, the, the government uh, decided to, uh, to buy the pipeline, essentially to nationalize it. Uh, and they say, Mr. Morneau, the finance minister remains, or at least uh, official position is that, oh, hey, no problem. Uh, there will be other suitors lined up to take this off our hands. Uh, just give us a chance to get it going and we'll be able to sell it. No problem. Do you believe that? Well, you know, the problem with that scenario, the problem with that story is that Kinder Morgan walked away. And you have to ask yourself why. I mean, I think I'm pretty sure that Trudeau was saying, because I think Trudeau's uh, purchasing or nationalizing this pipeline was the last resort option. I think his his initial plan was to go to Kinder Morgan and say, look, we know you're going to have a hard time, you know, getting this through. You'll get it through eventually. So we'll cover all your costs. And, you know, we'll we'll make sure you're you're, you're okay financially if if you keep going. But Kinder Morgan still said, no, we're, we're out of here. Um, so that suggests to me that, you know, and these guys aren't sentimentalists. They, they look at the bottom line. Uh, they look at the profit. So for them, there was no profit in keeping this going. Mm-hmm. So if that's the case, why would any other company want to get involved in this? Uh, I think if I'm a company, I will wait, to the, I will wait until the, the pipeline is actually built. You know, let the liberals take all the slings and arrows that that come with that. And then once it's built, you know, if it ever does get built, then maybe the the liberals might find some interested buyers. Uh, But that's that's pretty far down the road right now. 
I agree. And I, uh, I, I'm not at all convinced it's ever going to get built only because, and right back to your original point, they campaign, Mr. Trudeau campaigned as, as Captain Climate Change. And as, as you say, to the left of the NDP on a lot of these things. And I don't think he believes in the pipeline, not for one single heartbeat. He's, he's bought the damn thing because he boxed himself into a corner and had no choice due to an acute lack of leadership in the first place. And I think again, Jerry, due to the fact that he doesn't believe in it. Yeah, I think in his heart of hearts, he doesn't want this pipeline built. Um, but I think he has to say he wants it built. Yeah. Uh, because otherwise he'd be saying he's basically saying he's going to destroy Alberta's economy. And that probably wouldn't be a good thing for the prime minister of Canada to say. Probably not. And he's also kind of attached his credibility to this pipeline being built. Uh, he, you know, he said, I'm going to get it built. And if it doesn't, it'll, it'll, it, that also will reflect badly on his leadership. So I think this is why he now says, you know, this is why he's nationalized it. But at the same time, he's made this pipeline into a kind of international lightning rod. Yes. Uh, every environmentalist in the world is going to be opposed to this thing. And, you know, who knows what kind of protests, what kind of, uh, what kind of you know, guerrilla warfare uh, these echo guys are going to do to try to stop this pipeline. Mm-hmm. And that's going to put Trudeau on the spot. Because is he going to use force and coercion to get this pipeline built? Is he going to send out the army to get this pipeline built? As his natural resources minister at least once has said, could happen. Yeah. And, uh, you know, Stephen Harper, yeah, he'd do that in a second. (laughs) I have no doubt about it. But Trudeau, it's not really his brand. You know, his brand is, you know, rainbows and lollipops and sunshine. So for him to sort of take a really tough, on this and send the army in or send, you know, the Sunny Ways Infantry Battalion, whatever he has, right. um, that would really ch- change who he is as a leader, who he is as a politician. And I'm not sure he really wants to do that. So, yeah, I'm not convinced that this thing's going to get built either. Interesting stuff. We've only got about a minute left. It's not hardly enough time. But your thoughts about the uh, the reaction by Mr. Trudeau and the other G7 leaders. We'll see it officially next week. They spoke through their finance ministers yesterday. They are mad as hell at the Yanks uh, for these uh, tariffs uh, on steel and aluminum. Uh, uh, these are tariffs on America's best friends in the whole wide world. Well, Trump has kind of opened the protectionist genie um, by, by imposing these tariffs. And, of course, this is, this is how trade wars start. Yeah. Because, you know, an economist would tell you that, you know, Trudeau should say, no, no, tariffs are wrong, but I'm not going to impose my own tariffs because it's only going to hurt my own consumers. But there's no politician that could ever do that, right? You've got to look tough. You've got to look like a leader. So you've got to say, I'm going to put my tariffs up and I'm going to teach you a lesson. Um, and this is how things start swirling out of control. Um, and this is the dangerous situation we're in right now. Agreed. Um, but no matter how much times, you know, you know, investment bankers in Manhattan might be angry at Trump. Trudeau might be angry at Trump. You know, the EU might be angry, angry at Trump over this. But you know what Trump's looking at? People in Allentown, Pennsylvania, they're happy with it. Gotcha. Jerry, I have to leave it there. Always a pleasure, sir. Thank you for this, and we'll do it again. Guaranteed. Sure. Sounds good, Stro. Nice talking to you. Jerry with a G, Nichols, uh, N-I-C-H-O-L-L-S dot com. Lots more on our guest on the web. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at CKNW.com, the Radio Player Canada app, Tune in Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.